Well, we are all scattered out. You all don't like sitting next to each other. If you've never heard me speak before, raise your hand if you've never heard me. First time ever and you want to give me money? I'll be out there at my table when we're done. I've been doing this for 37 years at least. I traveled 280, 300 days out of the year. I left uh, Friday and my wife, I missed out on a few things this weekend. I got a granddaughter that got accepted to Texas A&M. I got a grandson that graduated from Texas A&M. Yeah, we just need to be praying for our football team. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan. We just need to be praying. Man, 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 man. Um, I leave this afternoon for Mississippi. Uh, when I left Friday, I won't go home for another 15 days. Uh, I'll be in three cities in 15 days, and I end up in Alabama in a tent that will hold about 2,500, and I'm in a bunch of schools uh, that, uh, that week that I'll be there. So I've been doing this a long time. Out in the foyer, I'll be out there for a little bit. I don't have to be at the airport till around uh, 3.45 or so, but I'll be out there and would love for you. My book's out there. I've written a couple of books. Uh, my story's out there. I'll, I'll give you a glimpse of it. Uh, I'm not going to get rich if you buy it. I just go to Walmart a little more than you. Anybody here go to Walgreens? That's my Walmart, dude. I'm just telling you. Man, you can get into Walgreens and you can get out. You don't have all the stuff. And so I only go to Walmart when, when, it, when I'm dying or something. So there it is. Would you look at somebody eyeball to eyeball? Look at them good. Look at them good. Say exactly what I tell you to say. Look at them good. Say, um, God, he loves you, but I'm still working on it. You know why you're laughing, right? Because you're still working on it. Can I get an Amen. Well, I've got a great message. You see four chairs up here, and maybe they'll keep them up here for a while. I came across this message a couple years ago, and I heard this guy preaching, and I know your pastor's as bad at this as I am, but uh, when I hear somebody preach, I'm thinking, I could do that better. <laughs> or when I hear somebody preach, I'm thinking, I see something different. He used four metal chairs, and so I watched it, and I listened. I couldn't write fast enough. And so um, uh, a year ago, January, um, I said, dude, I want to preach this. Can I preach it? Would you mind if I took it? I said, I took notes, and I said, I'm going to make some changes. He said, well, I got it from somebody else. <laughs> so I told him, I said, well, I'm going to give you credit three times because they say after three times, it now becomes yours. I actually gave him credit four or five times, and so... This is an incredible word. I hope you're not in a hurry today. I'm not going home till like uh, October 12th. So, um, and I love your church, by the way. I love your church. I love your facilities. You've got some great men, got a great staff. They actually get along and uh, they're happy. Met some of your deacons. They smiled. It freaked me out. And um, I just, I don't normally like pews, but I like your pews. I like the individual seat deal. And so it's a good deal. Great days ahead for this church. I follow your pastor on Facebook, and if you don't, you should. Um, I follow some of the messages as well. And so I want to give you a message. I call it the four chairs, if you'll write that down. Um, 
And I hope that you, and I hope if you're here and you're a pastor, take this and use it. This is my 10th preaching Bible. I'm going to give each one of my grandkids one of my preaching Bibles. My last preaching Bible is in my office as I speak. It will be whenever I decide to give this one up, then I'm going to take that one back out. I, I want to encourage you. I know that you're, you're, you can have your Scripture on, the, on your phone. Nothing like a paper copy of Scripture. So I see many of you not with it. I see you not even with the. So I'm assuming if you ain't got your Bible, you got the thing memorized. So when I get stuck, I love embarrassing people every now and then. I won't. But I love it when I tell people to open the book to Hezekiah, and I love watching people looking for Nehemiah, Jeremiah. And then I love the ones that found it. I've actually seen it happen. There's no Hezekiah, by the way, for you that were looking. Um, but go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and, and I hope that you'll notice closely the four chairs. They're all four different. Of course, I'm even in a different chair. And next time you sit down or next time you're in a chair, maybe you'll remember this message. It's a powerful word, and I hope, and we're all in this message. All of us have been in chair number four. We'll look at it in a little bit. I don't know how many have been here, but I think a bunch. And if you've become a Christian, you've ended up in this chair a few times. I have, maybe not you. So I call it four chairs. Uh, I will tell you, anybody here been following my grandson, his story on Facebook? Would you raise your hand? Man, thank you much. My grandson, um, uh, I got this. I know I should have got a bracelet because it hurt. But I got this in honor of my grandson, Trey, September 1st. He would have been 12. We couldn't beat leukemia, but our loss is heaven's gain. My grandson, uh, my son lost a, a, a child, went from five to four. And then this August the 9th, two years after, he, uh, two years ago, uh, he decided to adopt two drug babies, Adele and Luke. Adele's biracial, got hair. We ain't got a clue what to do with it. I've tried washing it. I can't figure it out. And then her half-brother, Luke, as white as white can be, their mom had eight kids with eight different men. Her trash became our treasure. And so this is all important. And then if you'll see my new one, I'm wearing this in honor of my grandson. And uh, this one I got just recently says, hashtag but God. And let me tell you, uh, impossible is not a word in God's vocabulary. And so hashtag but God, I, I've got bracelets that say that, Mark 10, 27, with God all things are possible. And uh, Trey, his two brothers went erect December 19th. In fact, just a few weeks ago, they opened up their Christmas presents from Christmas because we missed it. But I'm telling you this, they gave him a 10%. Um, uh, Clayton walked away with bruised ribs, not a broken bone in either bodies, but Caleb, severe brain damage, he was a... Um, cross-country runner, and he will run again. Um, he was a basketball player, will play again. Uh, the doctors in OU Trauma Center gave him a 10% chance to live, and if he did live, a 90% chance he'd be a vegetable. I showed the video here on Saturday. Just go to, go to Pray for Caleb Freeman and go to Facebook, and you, let me go ahead and tell you, he is walking again, walking with the walker. Let me tell you, he's talking. He's, he's got some jokes. The dude's incredible, but God has opened up many, many doors, and that will go along with my message. 
And so, I, and so that's, and of course, I grew up nine stepfathers, 24 different schools, in jail at 15, suicidal at 10. I grew up in bars, cars, and streets and alleys. Ended up on a couch in Corpus Christi, Texas. Went to 24 different schools growing up. Uh, I'm living on a couch, kind of like the blindside movie. A football player gets me to go to church, and I get saved. Now, I don't know what happened to you. And for you that are trying to guess, I'm married 46 years, two boys, 10 grandkids, and a dog named Peaches. And I do love my dog more than my boys. She wants a biscuit. They want my money. I love Peach. She poops in my backyard. They pooped on my life. I just turned 66 years old. I'm in good shape for the shape I'm in. Medicare is here. Yeah, if you're on Medicare, raise your hand. Glory to God. Listen, I love it. It's a great thing. Everybody say four chairs. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That's a little, uh, little bit about me and my family. We've been through an incredible journey. And these chairs, I promise you, hopefully will open up your eyes as you go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And we'll probably start at verse... Um, We'll probably start at verse 16, but before we do, let me tell you about chair number one. And if you can see the four chairs, say, I can. Do you notice there's, there's something different about all four? These three are a whole lot more comfortable than this one. Let me give you chair number one. Write it down, because here's what, here's what I normally do with this message. I, I'll preach, I'll share this message, and then on the next service... Uh, we'll take a survey, and I get people to think about it, but I don't have time to do that. I've done this in Christian schools. I was in Peter's, St. Petersburg, Florida, school of about 800 students. I spoke on this, and then I had them write the number of the chair that they were in. This is a Christian school. They gave them all to me. I read through all 800 of them that night, and I put them in chair one, two, three, and 4, came back the next day, shared the survey. And the majority of the school was in this chair and then in those two chairs. This was the minority. So let me give you chair number one. Write it down. Chair number one, and you because you got to figure out where you're sitting at with God today. Chair number one is a born-again Christian. That is, are you ready? They're passionate about the Word of God. They're passionate about prayer. They're passionate about lost people. They're listen, they're passionate about their church. Chair number one is a passionate, born-again Christian sold out to Jesus. You do know what the word sold out means, right? If you go to Dillard's and, and, they're, and they're having a sale and it's all sold out, you know what it means? There's nothing left. If you go to a movie theater and the seats are all sold out, I want you to listen, it means there's no more room. This person in chair number one, let me give you the word that describes them, at least two. Everybody say, not comfortable. Do you understand that a born-again, passionate, born-again Christian is not comfortable where they are every day they want more of Jesus? What does he say in Philippians chapter 3? I'm going to throw scriptures out. Philippians 3, I read it today with your students. Paul said, I want to know you more. In fact, Paul said, I want to press on to know you more. I want to forget the past. Can I tell you about chair number one? They are passionate. They want more of Jesus every day. See, so you've got to determine. By the way, they're as saved as saved can be. That's chair number one. If you're listening, say yes. 
And by the way, they're very uncomfortable. I don't know how many of y'all would want to sit on this stool the whole time I preach, but it'd get uncomfortable. And see, I want you to listen. We've got a lot of Christians that are in some comfort zone. They're in some complacent zone. They're in some compromising deal. This, are you ready? This person here lives their convictions. This person here has great compassion for lost people, has great compassion for strong relationships. This person is not comfortable. Oh, by the way, and let me tell you a word that really describes, it's called obedience. If you're listening, say yes. Now look at 2 Corinthians 5, 16. So we have, now I'm reading from the New Living Translation, whatever you, my son uses, you ESV, he's a pastor. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. And look at verse 17. Now I'm going to read mine differently because yours says, If any man be in, he's a brand new, old things have passed, and all things have become, let me tell you about chair number one, passionate Christian. They love the new things of God. They love the newness of God. They, listen, they're not satisfied. They always want more. According to, what is it? According to Lamentations, his mercies are new every day. Keep reading. Mine says this. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. Every, everybody say Creation. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And watch this. All of this is a gift from God, verse 18, who brought us back to himself through Christ. By the way, I haven't sang that song, the hymn that we sang, haven't sang that in a long time. Who would have ever dreamed we'd have drums on that song? And I want you to listen. If we claim to be born again and we're passionate about the things of God, listen, we don't argue over worship. We don't argue over change. We want change. So here we go. Read on. Verse 19. Well, verse, he said, and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. Verse 19. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. Everybody say, Yay. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. I love verse 20. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. But look at verse 21. He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God. Can I tell you about passionate cheer number one? They love the righteous things of God. They're hungry for his word. They're hungry for prayer. I told men, you know what? You'll be no more powerful than your prayer life. You'll be no more spiritual than you know the word of God. I had two Mormons come up to me in Alabama. They were going to convert me. Hello. They went to the wrong person at the wrong time. Somebody said, what if there's a Mormon here? They probably need to get saved. We got Mormons and Jehovah's false witnesses, and I said that right. And can I say this to you? But they are knocking on doors. Man, if we had some of the passion of a Mormon and a Jehovah's Witness, Baal's Witness, that really believe, listen, they don't even have the truth. 
You see, this Christian here, they, they love the light and they hate the dark. They love truth and won't, won't, they know they stay away from lies. This passionate Christian is sold out to the things of God. If you're listening, say yes. Let me read mine. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the, I love how this reads, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ Jesus. Go to the book of 1 John quickly. 1 John, I could preach a message from there. It's an incredible book. Go to 1 John chapter 2, if you would. In fact, in 1 John, about five times, he talks about liars in 1 John. Go to 1 John chapter 2. Would you go, if you would, to verse 1? And before you get there, let me just say this. In 1 John 1, he says, God is light. There's no darkness in him. So we're lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but keep living in spiritual darkness. Now look, if you would, at uh, chapter 2. Well, look at verse 10 in chapter 1. If we claim that we've not sinned, we're calling God a liar, showing that his word. Listen, this person loves the truth. And by the way, can I tell you about truth? It's not always popular, but truth is always right. Look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father. He is Jesus Christ, the one who's truly righteous. He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sins. Everybody say, yay. And not only for our sins, but the sins of the world. But look at verse 3. I preach a whole message from here, but look at verse 3. And we can, everybody say no. The word K-N-O-W in 1 John 5 chapters, in my Bible, is used 32 different times. That word no is a, is a very intimate word. And look at what he says. He says that we can be sure that we know him. Everybody say if. There's another word you ought to look up. 1,800 times the word if is used in my scripture. Mark Batterson wrote a book called If. I've been preaching if for a long time. I, I wish I'd have written the book too. The word if is in the middle of the word life. And listen, there's a lot of ifs in our life. Now watch this. He said, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commands. Verse 4, if someone claims that I know God but doesn't obey God's command, that person is a liar not living in the... But look at verse 5. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. This is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus. If you read in Matthew 5, 6, it says that those that really are passionate about God, those that really love God, they're not comfortable in their walk, they're hungry for more of God. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. Chair number one, uncomfortable. Chair number one is about commitment. It's about convictions. Are you ready for this? An opinion is something you hold. A conviction is something that holds you. See, church, we say we believe in heaven and hell. We say we, we've got people that are going there, but we're doing nothing about it. Chair number one is doing something about it. Passionate and saved. If you're listening, say yes. Let's go to chair number two. Chair number two, are you ready? Do you notice the difference? Oh, I could preach in this one. Chair number two, write this down because you all better be listening close. Chair number two is also a born-again Christian. 
But here's the problem. They're not passionate, are you right? They're passionate about the Word. Cheer number two is passionate about the world. Cheer number one wants to please God. Cheer number two wants to impress God. You want to impress God? Just please Him. But God's not looking for us to, God wants us to please Him. I'm gonna, we're, we're going to stay in 1 John. Cheer number two, are you ready? They're passionate about the world. They're passionate, are you ready? They're passionate about the things of the world. I'm going to read out of 1 John in a moment. Can I tell you about share number two? This one's uncomfortable. Guess what share number two is? Very comfortable. I'm going to be honest with you. October of 1968, it's going to be 51 years I accepted Christ, and I knew nothing about the Bible. It was a football player that got me to go to church. I mean, I ought to be a wife beater, a child abuser, a drug user. I should be an alcoholic. All of those things. But 51 years ago, I made a choice that changed my life forever. I still got to make choices. Can I go ahead and tell you, when I listened to this guy preached, and he got to chair number two, I sat here for three years. I was saved. But see, chair number two, are you ready? They're passionate about the wrong things. Chair number one is about a Savior. Chair number two is about themselves. You see, when your life's about you, you ain't going to be a very good you. But when your life's about Jesus, you'll be an incredible you. I walked into a bookstore. Joel Osteen had a book, and uh, Max Lucado had a book. I was totally confused. Joel Osteen's book said, How to Be the Best You. I was okay until I saw Max Lucado's book that was entitled, It's Not About You. <laughs> Guys, I, used, I could cuss wallpaper off a wall. I got put in jail at 15. I was very passionate about the world. This chair scares me. I was here for three years. And February 7th, 1970, I'm living with my Jesus parents. I'm in a camper, shoved up in a carport, going to school. One night I walked in and I said, you know what? I just drank a beer and had a cigarette. I don't need that stuff. I said, why is it when I see families, especially dads and their sons, I want to do this stuff? And my Jesus dad looked at me and said, do you love your mom and dad? I said, if my parents walked into your front door and I owned a pistol, I'd blow their brains out. Chair number two, are you ready? Is about criticism. Oh, they're saved. I'm going to show you in the scripture. Chair number two, are you ready? Oh, they're about criticism. They're about complacency. They're about compromise. They're not, there's no convictions. There's no compassion. And they're very calloused. Can I tell you about chair number two? They're jealous of this one. But here's what's sad. Chair number two, used to be here. And how did they get here? I got here because I hated my parents. And Malcolm would always take me to Scripture. You can turn, don't turn to it. Write down Colossians chapter 3. It's an incredible book. But look at, when you get a chance, Colossians 3 verse 12, 13, and here's where Malcolm took me. He said, until you, this is what Scripture says, until you're willing to forgive your parents like Christ forgave you, you'll never be free. And my last name is Free Man. That's a bummer. <laughs> Chair number two, listen to me. In February 7th, 1970, 
I'll never forget, I, I said, God, I want, would you give me a love for my mom and dad? I hadn't seen my dad in 16 years since I was four. My mom, I mean, I just walked away from her. My sisters live in the streets. My siblings are screwed up. I got nothing. And that night I said, God, would you give me a love for my mom and dad? I want to love them like you do. And that night God broke me down. 1102 Melissa Drive, San Antonio, Texas. I cried for nearly an hour as God poured onto me a spirit to want to love. I called my mom. My mom answered the phone. She was a little drunk. She, I, she made some black coffee. I could tell she was sobering up. I said, Mom, when I was living with you before I came here, I was a Christian, but I wasn't a very good one. I said, Mom, I've hated you for a long time. She started crying. I said, but listen, listen. I said, Mom, I don't hate you anymore. I love you. And I'm going to do my best to lead you to Christ. Mom, I, I got to do this. Would you forgive me for hating you? I mean, I was molested at seven, sister raped at five. My sister went through more abuse. She would beat us with belts and switches. You, you can't, um, we lived in bars and cars. I'm asking this lady to forgive me for hating her. She said, I will. For 14 years, I tried to help her. She never got saved. I called my dad that night. Operator answered. She wouldn't put me through. I was trying to tell her my story. She was crying. I was getting through. She said, if I put you through, I'll get in trouble. Don't do this, but it worked. I said, ma'am, if you don't put me through to my dad, I know his number's unlisted, God will hurt you. She put me through. <laughs> she probably joined every church she ever walked by. But I want you to listen. When you get to this chair, you don't, listen, I left a tithe check with my wife. When I get to go to church, I want you to listen. I get to be, I'm going to be home a weekend, I believe, in October. I'll go Saturday night to one of our services. we got four on Sunday, and I'll go to another one. I go twice. This chair can't get enough of Jesus. They volunteer. They serve. This chair is all about comfort. And can I tell you something about serving Jesus? It ain't about comfort. My dad answered the phone. I didn't know who it was. I said, I'm looking for James Freeman. He said, you got him. I said, my name is Ken Freeman. I'm your firstborn. He said, what do you want? Well, if I'd have known about chair number two, I was going to say, I want to get out of chair number two. But here's what I said to him. I said, I'd love for you to be my dad. I said, you know, I'm not calling for money. I said, I'm a born-again Christian. I've hated you for long enough. Would you forgive me? And he hung up on me. But I got back here. He wrote me a horrible letter some, some weeks later, said, I'm not your dad, you're not my son. Can I go ahead and tell you? I didn't hear, he said, never contact me again. I didn't really know where he was. 28 years later, I'm still in chair one. Oh, I've, I've had some journeys here. Are you ready? I found my dad July the 11th of, of uh, 1998. Walked in through the front door with my oldest son and my wife. There stood my dad. I put my arms around him. I know he wanted me to cuss him or slug him. You see, chair number one is about compassion. Chair number one is led by the Spirit, filled by the Spirit. Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled. Be continually be being filled with the Spirit. This person recognizes when they get empty, so they get filled. I said, Dad, you hung up on me 28 years ago, and you walked out on me. 
42 years ago. I was four, now I'm 46, and for 10 hours, I told my dad my story. And six years later, my dad got throat cancer, bone cancer. Are you ready? I'm still in chair number one. It's not, it's not comfortable forgiving people. It's not comfortable getting over your past. And if you don't deal with your past, your past will deal with you. In fact, Carmen said it years ago. The next time the devil reminds you of your past, remind the devil of his future. Do you understand God? Please listen. Some of you sitting here, God has nothing. He could care less about your past. And there are some of you here, I'm not just preaching to the choir. You don't even have a choir. But there are some of you here, please, and I'm not throwing rocks, I'm throwing truth. There are some of you here, all God is going to get out of you is today. That's it. You know what I tell people? If all you're going to get is, if all God gets is Sunday morning, you ought to get saved. Listen to me. I don't have to go to church, I have to go to church. I love being with, I love this stuff. I'll go ahead and tell you, I flew back, and it was six years later, I sent him Christmas cards, birthday cards, and in uh, 2004, I'd been witnessing to him for about six years, he got throat cancer, bone cancer, I'm giving, the long version is out there in the foyer, God, I don't even know if I owned a video camera, if I did, I wish I would have, if I did, I would have watched this every Father's Day, and on June 1st, 2004, I looked at my dad and said, Dad, you got five months to live, maybe five days. Where would you spend eternity? He said, I deserve hell. I said, we all deserve hell. Did you hear me? This person lives by the grace of God every day. This person here lives about works. Well, I go to church and I worked in VBS one time. You see, this person is saved. Please listen, young people. If we could get young people, if we could get dads that would be passionate about God's Word, passionate about the things of God. If we, can you imagine if everybody here won somebody to Jesus this week and bring them back to church? You'd double. And by the way, my dad, we went, laid on the bed. I knelt down next to him, found out that his wife of 47 years, she'd been saved. And on June 1st, 2004, I wish I could have videoed this. I was listening to John talk about his son, and, and I know he's got a great family. And on June 1st, I led my 78-year-old dad to the Lord. I'm holding my hands good size. His is a little bigger, and he pulled me close. And this is the part of John I wish I would have videoed. Because I'll never know the love of a dad or a mom. I'll never know that family. My dad pulled me close, and here's what he said. He said, I know I'm dying. He said, but if this is what being saved is, he said, I've never had more peace in all my life than right now. He said, I believe he saved me. You see, you can't earn salvation. You can't buy salvation. You can only receive it. And then my dad pulled me close and he said, I bet you you would have been a great son. If y'all are listening, say yes. And then he said this one. He said, I've been wanting to tell you for six years that I'm sorry. It wasn't five months, 12 days later, my dad went to be with Christ. 
Chair number one, obedient, passionate about the Word, passionate about prayer. Do you remember in Luke chapter 1, you can, you can write it down. I'm giving you scriptures in Luke chapter, excuse me, Luke chapter 11, verse 1. Remember Jesus had just finished praying? I'm thinking if Jesus prayed, you battled the devil with scripture, maybe we ought to pray and battle the devil with scripture. In Luke 11, 1, the disciples said, hey, Jesus, would you teach us? I'm thinking if I'm, if I'm going to get Jesus to teach me something, you know that leper thing that you did? Could you show me how you did that? Remember that guy that couldn't see and you made mud balls and put, I want to do that one, Jesus. But do you know what the disciples ask? Hey, Jesus, teach us how to pray. There are some of you here, and by the way, since December 19th, I'm already a prayer person, and thanks to your pastor, 3.20 in the morning is coming again. Only the men will get that. Are you ready for this? Since December 19th, I do not sleep through the night. And if I wake up at 1.30 in the morning, you know who I'm praying for? Caleb. God, I want him to run again. God, I want him to play ball again. I want you to listen. My prayer life since December 19th, and unfortunately, and, and, and by the way, I mean, I, I prayed, but I pray more than I've ever prayed. I'm in the Word more. Please listen. You've got to ask yourself, am I even saved? This, First John 5, 13, these things are written that you might know you have everlasting life. Not guess, not hope. This person is not really sure. Oh, I think they're saved. Look at 1 John. Look real quickly at 1 John 2, verse 15, 16, 17. Are you ready? Here, here comes chair number two in some ways. Do not love this world nor the things it offers you, for when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. This could be chair number four as well. For the world offers a, a craving of physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, like my grandsons in Walmart. A pride for our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but from the world. This world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But look at chair number one. Anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Oh, do me a favor. Go, if you would, to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let me really show you, let me show you chair number two. The other two won't take as long. Look, if you would, at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Man, this is, in fact, if you read 1 Corinthians 2 and 3, it talks about three kinds of people. Everybody say natural man. A natural man is a person without Christ in their life. They're lost. Everybody say carnal man. I know some of you don't believe that. You got your right to be wrong. Because every day, according to Galatians, there's a battle with our flesh and our spirit. This person will, nine times out of ten, will yield to the Spirit of God. This person is about the flesh. And then you've got not just a carnal man, but you've got a spiritual man. Now watch this. In 1 Corinthians 3, you're looking at a dude. I studied all night to make a high F when I was in school. Kids behind me, I made a 97. I was pumped about my 17. <laughs> got the date right. My name was good. And I'm thinking, I hope you're studying to be a dentist because I'm going to bust their teeth out. That was before I was saved. 
And can I tell you, when I, when I really, and I got saved, but I jumped over here, but when I began to walk in the passion of God's Word and in prayer, I want you to listen, I love to read, I love to study. Man, I love to tell people about Jesus. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 10. Because of God's grace to me, I've laid a foundation as an expert builder. Watch this. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation, young people, you need to be listening, must be very careful. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one laid by Jesus Christ. Look at, John, I know you've preached here. This, this, these verses now are powerful. Anyone who builds on that foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, Wood, hay, or straw. Can I tell you about this one? The gold, the silver, the, can I tell you? This person builds their life on the things that are solid. Guys, there'll be fires. And listen, I watched a guy take two of my rings and burn them. He put them in, and, and all of a sudden this stuff came to the top. It was dross. He said, if you want this to be the more dross, the more impurities, the more pure that ring will be. This person builds their life on the pure things of God. And guys, there's been fires where jewelry's in fact, there's been fires where a Bible's not been touched because the Bible is a solid thing. But when you build your life on the worries of this world, on the wise of this world, when you build your life on the things of this world, baby, it's going to burn. Oh, look. Passionate about the world. Oh, they're saved. This verse scares me. But on Judgment Day, verse 13, the fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has value. If, there's that word if again, Pastor. I'm telling you, John, you ought to do a whole series on the word if. Second Chronicles 7, 14, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face, I'll heal their land. 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Matthew 10, Mark 8, Luke 9, John 12, if you want to be my disciple, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me daily. If, if, if. John 15, 14, Jesus said this, you are my friends if you obey my commands. Watch this. Verse 14, if the work survives, that builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be what? Will be what? Look at this. Mine says the builder will be saved like someone escaping through a wall of flame. You know what scares me? I believe there are people that are in church today all over. Guys, you're in an incredible neighborhood. Just think about if every church member here was right there. Man, we'd be winning our teammates, our family. We'd be winning our neighbors, our coworkers. You might put me out of a job. I love evangelism. I wouldn't be a good pastor because I'd slap somebody. I wouldn't vote on it, pray about it. I'd just kick them. I don't know how you, I don't know how you all do it. I hear him say, Pastor, one of these days I'm leaving. If I was pastor, I would say, my prayers have been answered. Go. <laughs> my favorite one is I was here before you. My response is, and when the rapture comes, you're still going to be here. 
Chair number two will get to heaven by the skin of their teeth. What a sad way to live. I'm going to skip chair number three. By the way, if you're taking medicine, it's 1136. If you want to look, it's right up there. The biggest clock I've ever seen in my life. Everybody look at your watch. Let's all do this together. Everybody look. Now you don't have to do it anymore. We did it together. By the way, if you came ready to leave here at noon, you should have stayed home and watched TV. Can I tell you, I don't think there's anything wrong with TV ministries, but can I tell you what? This person loves TV ministries. No commitment. This person wants the real thing. They want the fellowship. Listen, they want the fullness of God. I'm skipping three. I'm going to go to four. Are you ready? Oh, by the way, I might as well go ahead and throw this out for chair number two. Listen to this in Revelation. Just listen. It's in Revelation chapter uh, three. I do a whole series on the seven letters. But I want you to hear this. In Revelation, this, this church is laid out of the seat. It's called the unhealthy church. Listen to what he says in Revelation 3.15. I know all the things that you do, that you're neither hot or cold. I wish you were one or the other. But since you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm going to spit you. I'll vomit you out of my mouth. You say I'm rich. I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. I need Jesus more today than I did yesterday. Let me give you a great statement. You'll never know you need God till you need God. Dude, I ought to be atheist agnostic. I ought to be flipping God off. Are you ready? But 51 years ago, God saved me. Now, for you that made plans to get out of here before service is over, you just told God, hey, God, if you could just... Don't you wish you'd just come to church and say, hey, God, we're going to stay until you're done. Listen to this. You say I'm rich, I have everything I want, you, you don't, I don't need a thing. You don't realize that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. So I advise you to buy gold from me, gold that will be purified by fire. Then you'll be rich. I want you to hear me. This chair doesn't really need God, but it sure does need the world. Chair number three, are you ready? This is pretty simple. Are you ready? Chair number four. Everybody say lost. Every one of us were born into this chair. Did you hear me? Romans 3.23, for all have, the Pope has, Billy Graham has, Ken Freeman has, and yes, I do believe Joel Osteen has sinned at least once. <laughs> Nobody ought to be that happy. He needs to have a bad day. He needs to take five of my grandkids to Chuck E. Cheese and have a bad day. How many of y'all have ever taken your kids to Chuck E. Cheese? Raise your hand. You had a bad day. Are you ready? Chair number four is lost. Now I'm getting ready to give you a... Because see, he didn't do this. When I saw him preach this, and he did a great job, but I saw some things he didn't, and I told him. I sent it to him. Can I tell you about chair number four? They can't even see chair number one because they can't get past chair number two. Chair number four, this person acts like them and talks like them. 
Oh, and I think, to be honest with you, I think some of these people, some of you who think you're here, are probably here. But share number one says, you know, they go to school with me, they cuss like me. I know they go to church. For all have sin. If you read Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it says that you and I, want, we were born dead. Separated from God. You read Romans 5, 12, because of one man Adam and his choice to sin, all of us became sinners. We were born lost separated from God. This person here maybe doesn't even know they're lost. But I think people in this chair are dying to go to hell. We need to give them a reason to want Jesus. Chair number three is lost. If you're listening, say yes. Excuse me. Chair number four is lost, so is chair number three. But let me give you chair number three. Write this down. We're almost done. It's 1141 for you that are taking medicine. Passionate, uncomfortable, obedient, sold out. Comfortable, complains, gripes. Next time somebody comes to complain, ask if that looks like a trash can. Chair number four, they're lost. And they can't even see chair number one. They're a little confused because, can I tell you about chair number two? They are confused. They're cluttered. But let me come back here. Here's chair number three. This one scares me, John. I believe the majority of our church are in these two chairs. This is a minority. You know what I ask people? What if everybody loved God like you love God? By the way, I'm preaching to me. Don't worry. What if everybody tithed like you tithed? Young people, you ought to learn how to tithe now. What if, what if people served like you served? What if people volunteered like you volunteered? What if people knew the word? What, what kind of church would we have? This should be the majority. Comfortable. Lost. Write this one down. Chair number three scares me. And it's, it's really, it's, it's pretty comfortable. I mean, I can move around. Chair number three, write it down. They think they're saved. They know they're saved. Chair number two is hoping they're saved. Chair number four, they're lost. But chair number three, Scares me, John. How many of y'all know people who think they're saved, but they're probably lost? Anybody? I know what you're doing. We're not a judge. I heard a black preacher say it this way, John. He said, I ain't a judge. I'm a fruit inspector. He said, if there ain't no fruit, there ain't no root. Do you know the enemy can counterfeit the gifts, but he cannot counterfeit the fruit? If you read John 15, I'm giving you a lot of stuff. You read John 15, three times he says in John 15, my disciples will bear fruit. My disciples will bear more fruit. And then verse 8 or 9, he says, my true disciples, which means there could be some false ones, he said, my true disciples will bear much fruit. I preach a message on the five hearts. I want to come back here and be here about four or five days, get in your schools. 
I'd love to be here a couple of weeks. I've been in some church where I was in one church. I was there for about 14 days. All hell busted. It's awesome. Because heaven does that. Chair number three. They think they're safe. Here's what scares me about chair three. They can't get past this one. Because you know, everybody say the enemy. Says look back. Say shame. Says look down. Say comparison. Says look around. Say Jesus. Says look ahead. Young people, listen. If we compare ourselves to other, we ought to compare ourselves to the Word of God. Compare ourselves to the person of God. But let me tell you, I've got some friends that are in that chair, and when I look at my life, I'm thinking, That's, I want to pray that way. Man, I want to be so... I'm going to share with you a, a, a tragic verse in Scripture. Chair number three, watch this. They know about God, but they don't know God. See, chair number three, they're not as bad as chair number four. <laughs> I don't get as drunk as that. I don't. And then chair number three, dude, I'm just as good as chair number two. They can't even see chair number one because chair number two is blocking these two. The majority of our world is in these three, and I'll be honest with you, I think the majority of our church is in these two. And by the way, if you're in chair three, you're in four. Chair number three thinks they're saved. Do me a favor. Go to Matthew chapter 7 quickly, and we'll be done. Matthew chapter 7, and we'll be done. I don't have this on a CD or DVD. I'm hoping to get it, get it one day, but if they've recorded it here, get it here. Go to Matthew chapter 7. When you get there, Sam, there... Let's actually start in Matthew 6. Let me run. Let's do this. Go to verse 19. When you look at verse 19 through uh, 21, everybody say two treasures. They say that one man's trash is another person's. There's two treasures. You can look at I pre This is another message. Look, if you would, at verse 24. Everybody say two masters. If you would, go to, go to chapter 7, and would you look at verse 13 and 14. Everybody say two roads. There's a road that leads to hell and destruction. There's a road that leads to heaven. Look, if you would, at um, verse 15, 16 through 20. 15 through 20. Everybody say two trees. Look at what he says in verse 20 in Matthew 7, 20. Yes, just as you can identify a fruit by its tree, I love how mine reads, you can identify people by their actions. And then if you go to verse, I'm going to skip one, if you go to verse 24 through 27, everybody say two houses. But then go back to verse 21 through 23. We're almost done. Everybody say almost. Yeah, it makes you feel better. Everybody say two disciples. See, there's the right treasure and the wrong treasure. Oh, by the way, I didn't give you, there's another one. Everybody say two lights. There's a right light and there's a wrong light. 
What does he say in, in 2 Corinthians 11? That the, the devil masquerades as an angel of light. There's two roads, two trees, two houses, and there's two disciples. Look, if you would, at Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, not, in fact, mine reads a little different. He says in verse, not everyone who calls out to me, everybody say, Lord. Say, Master, Ruler, Boss of my life. That's what the word Lord means. Not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those, I love how this reads, this is Jesus' words, only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. And look, if you would, at verse 22. On judgment day, everybody say many. That word means majority. If you read in verse 13, it says the majority of this world is on the road to hell. They find the road to destruction, and many will enter it. And then he says only a few will find their way to heaven, but fewer will enter. But then he says here, on judgment day, everybody say many. There will be many, are you ready, who will say, hey, Lord, didn't we preach in your name? Hey, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Hey, Lord, didn't we go on mission trips? Oh, I think chair number three did some of this. Hey, Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Hey, these two are pretty confusing. These people think they're going to go to heaven. They think they're saved. Because this chair compares itself to this chair and says, there ain't no difference. Lord, look at all we did. Saddest verse in the Bible, and we're done. Look at verse 23. Look at it. Jesus will turn to these people and say this, I never knew don't stop listening. If you all really listen, say yes. If you learned something today about chairs, say I did. If you learned something today about our church, say yes. You know, I see all your palooza, whatever it is. I see them. We shouldn't have to get up and say, hey, we need candy. That, that thing ought to be overflowing. You want to know why? Because you're going to get people here to hope they give them the gospel. Everything we do, see this chair, it's all about seeking the kingdom of God, seeking his righteousness. Everything will be added unto you. Depart from me, for you that think, I don't know who you are. John, this scares me because I think there are some of you that are going to write chair number two when you're probably right here. Jesus said, I never knew you. So here's the question before we close. What chair are you in? Can I ask, did I make the four chairs, did I make it clear? Yes or no? The confusion is, is do I think that I know him? I don't know him. I kind of know him. Every head bowed, every eye closed.
as still as you can be, nobody looking around. John, I kind of wish you'd leave these chairs up here for a couple of Sundays. Or put four chairs all throughout your church. I did this in a Christian school. They put them in every, in every classroom, they had four chairs. Kids couldn't get away from it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. In a moment, music's going to begin. We'll be done. With every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. If you really listened today, would you raise your hand? Put them down. See, if you listen today, how many of you have figured out what chair you're in? Raise your hand. Put them down. How many of you are you're not sure what chair you're in? Raise your hand. That's fair. Put them down. Well, we're going to have an invitation. I sent what I saw to this guy that preached this. I said, dude, you got to look at this. See, our churches can't grow to where they want to grow because we got too many people in chair number two. Somebody else will do it. Somebody else will volunteer. I hope between now and next Sunday that every one of those baskets are filled up. I hope between now and next week that you win somebody to Jesus. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Somebody's going to begin to play real soft if they would, and with nobody looking. Question one. Now listen to my question. How many sitting here would say, if my heart were to stop, if I were to die? How many sitting here would say, now listen to me close. Brother Ken, I can, I've looked at the four chairs. Don't look around. Brother Ken, today I've looked at my life. Brother Ken, I'm going to be real with you today. I'm in chair number one. I'm, that's who I am. If that's you and you're in chair number one, raise your hand. I just want to see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. About 12 or 13. My theory is pretty good right now. Put them down. Now, some of you are going to do what my son did for three years. He prayed a prayer at eight, and I believe you can be saved at eight. What bothers me is the people that were saved at eight, nine, and ten, and all that, and now they're 18, 38, 58, and could care less about God. I don't know that they ever got saved. My son, from 13 to 16, said, Dad, I raised my hand three years. I knew I would. He said, Dad, I thought I was saved, but here's what he told me. He said, Dad, it wasn't drugs or alcohol, any of that. Dad, I knew how I was living. There was no way I could be saved. Didn't have a passion for the Word. Uh, church was a, a convenience. I, I didn't care about people going to hell. He said, Dad, I could lie and cheat. He said, Dad, I, I, I knew about God, but I never knew Him. And my son at 16 finally got saved. Some of you are going to do what he did. Some of you, I'm going to ask about chair number two, and you're going to raise your hand, the majority of you. When I believe some of you will, I promise you, you're probably in chair number three. So let me ask chair number two. How many here would say, Brother Ken, I'm saved. But Brother Ken, I'm in chair number two. Raise your hand. Don't look around. But that's where I am. 
put them down. Now, there were a bunch of hands that didn't go up. And by the way, for you that are in chair number two, you want to get back to one? 1 John 1, 9, if you'll confess your sins. He said, I'll cleanse you and forgive you of all unrighteousness. Chair number one. Begin to obey again. Begin to seek Him every day again. Fall in love with Him again. Are you all ready? With nobody looking. I'm not going to come grab anybody. I'm not going to follow anybody. And just because you're in chair three or four, it doesn't mean you're bad people. Can I say this to you? Psalms 139 says you're fearfully and wonderfully made. God created you with purpose. I told the men the other night in Ephesians 1, before anything was, God said, I chose to love you and adopt you into my family. So can we get real? Nobody looking but me. Is there anybody sitting here that would say, Brother Ken, I'm in chair number three. I think I'm saved, but I don't know. But I want to know. How many of you would say, Brother Ken, I'm in chair number three? Be honest. Raise your hands. Put them up high. Come on, put them up high all over this room. Young people, mom, dad, the balcony, I see you. Hold them up high. Don't be ashamed. Put them down. Is there anybody here that would say, Brother Ken, I'm in chair number four. I'm just flat lost. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you raise your hand? Put them up high. Put them down. Now, some of you didn't raise your hand to either question, so i got to tell you why. Maybe God's not dealing with you. Maybe He's done. I hope not. Maybe you just don't need God. So now I'm going to ask this question again for chair three and four. If you believe that you're in chair three and four, and you want me to pray for you with nobody looking but me, raise your hand one more time. Put them up high. Come on, hold them up high. Come on, mom, dad, young people, church member, visitor, put them up high. Now put them down. Now you that raised your hands, I want you to listen to my voice. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10, because I want to get you out of 3 and 4. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, you got to believe. Everybody say, I believe. Everybody say Jesus, born of a virgin, walked this earth, died on my cross for my sins, took my place. I didn't deserve it. I couldn't earn it. But I believe that he did it for me, for God so loved the world. You see, if you can believe those truths with your heart, and confess with your mouth that he's Lord. He said, I'll save you. Are you ready? So I'm going to ask you if you'd like to be saved. We're going to pray together. Now, let me pause. This is not a get out of hell prayer. Young people, mom, dad, this is not some magical prayer. To be honest with you, the prayer can't save you. Here's what the prayer is. The prayer is a confession. Young lady, sir, mom, dad, it's a confession of your heart. For you that are in three and four, you'll never have a passion for the things of God until you belong to God. So here we go. You can whisper, softly speak it, move your lips, say it with your heart. You can shout it. I don't care. Are you ready? If today you'd like to get out of three and four, 
and you would love to be that passionate, born-again Christian, you want to know that Jesus. My dad missed hell by 12 days. Here we go. If you'd like to be saved, pray this with me right now. Just say, hey, Jesus, I may be the only one here, but I'm in the wrong chair. I'm in the wrong place. Jesus, today I believe with all my heart that you love me, that you died for me. I believe you've already forgiven me because of the cross. Hey, Jesus, I want to tell you I'm sorry for my sin. You do not have to make a list. God knows your heart. He knows what you're sorry for. I'm sorry for the lies and the garbage. Hey, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for loving me. Hey, Jesus, today I want to repent. Here's what that means. Today, change my direction how I walk. Change my mind how I think. Change my purpose how I live. I receive you into my life right now. And I want to call you Lord, Savior, Father, friend, forever. Thank you, Jesus. Now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, only you and God knows if you meant business. Now, I want you to remember, because I think some of you raised your hand at the wrong chair, probably two or three. Well, two. My son convinced himself he was in two, but he realized at 16 he was never there. He'd never been saved. He said, Dad, I've always been in three for a long time. So with every head bowed, every eye closed. If that prayer was your heart, God just saved you. So I'm going to ask, if you prayed that with me just now and you're not ashamed, slip your hand up. I want to see him. Put them up high. Come on, all over this place. Hold them up high. Come on, young lady, young man, mom, dad. Hold them up high. Come on, sir. Put them down. Now we're going to let the rubber hit the road. I'm going to ask you to do two more things that are pretty bold. Nobody's going to make you. I'm going to count to three. And if you believe that he just saved you, as I count to three, I'm going to ask you to stand, remain standing with your head bowed. Now listen close. If you can't stand here, you'll never stand anywhere. If you got to look around to see who stands, I wouldn't stand. you got to act as if you're the only one. Matthew 10, Mark 8, Luke 9, John 12. Four times Jesus says, if you're not ashamed of me and my words, I won't be ashamed of you. In fact, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you to the Father. Are you ready? Hey, do me a favor. If you believe that he saved you just now, don't wait for me to count to three. Stand up right now. Come on, all over this room, stand up right now. Come on. You raised your hands. I didn't. All over this room. If you believe today, mom, church member, visitor, deacon, young person, listen, care less who's around you. Because if you can't stand here with people that love you, you'll never stand out there. Keep standing. Remain standing. There's others. I'm going to count once. One. Is there one more? Come on, young lady. Mom. Dad. Two. And I won't count again. But if today you believe that he saved you, 
It doesn't matter what happened. You believe that today is your day. Stand up as I say three right now. Stand up right now. Come on. One more. One more. Now you that are standing, look at me. Everybody else, keep your head bowed. You that are standing, look at me. I do not want you to sit back down. I want you to come and stand right here and face me at the front of the stage. Come on, right now. Don't sit back down. Step out in the aisle. Come and face me right here. Come on. Young lady, mom, dad, right here. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed, unafraid. Would you come? Right here. Unashamed, unafraid. Right here. Unashamed, unafraid. Unashamed, unafraid. Now, with every head bowed, I'm not going to count again. Everybody, just keep your head bowed. If you're out there and for some reason you couldn't get up by yourself, would you ask the person next to you, hey, would you walk up there with me? If you need to do that, would you do it right now? You may need to walk all the way over to your mom and dad and say, mom and dad, I know this might surprise you, but, but he saved me today. Does anybody, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, fifteen. And of the fifteen, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, about twelve of them are adults. Now we're not done. You just thought we were. Everybody look up. Would you give these a round of applause for their decision? Good news. You just got in a very uncomfortable place. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it's not comfortable being in a fire. Daniel, it's not comfortable laying down with some lions. It's not comfortable watching, walking around these walls seven days and with a band. It's not comfortable. Hey, Abraham, would you just sacrifice? I know he's the only son. It's not comfortable obeying, but it's the only way to live. I need one, two, three, four. I need five ladies to come and stand behind one of these ladies right now. I need five ladies. You're going to fill out a card. You're going to rejoice with their decision. I need one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I need nine men. Just come and stand behind one of them right now. I need nine men. If you're a deacon and you can't do this, you need to resign today. That's why I'm not a pastor. I'd be firing too many people. Come and stand behind one of these men. Got a man right here. Got a mish. Got a young man right there. Little boy right here. There you go. Where are we taking them? Which way are we going? Pastor, where are we going? Choir room? I do me a favor. Just go. You take yours that way. Some take yours that way. Take them out. Would you take them? You're going to pray with them, fill out a card. Clap for them one more time. Now, now the fun begins. Let me ask you to stand with your heads bowed. Every head bowed. How many of you, that word helped you today? Raise your hand. 
How many of y'all that word today showed you a little bit about you and your church? Do you realize if everybody brought candy, we'd have to have tons of buckets? Do you realize that if everybody volunteered, what if everybody tithed today like they ought to tithe? It's been happening in our church. My wife's been going, she goes at our one o'clock service because there's no hurry to get done. People are bringing dollar bills. We don't even do offerings in our church. We, you know, but they've started bringing dollar bills and five dollar bills. In the past months, just with dollar bills and five dollar bills. Now we run 20,000 people. Over $4 million has been taken in. Oh, they just, some come back to another service, do it again. Our debt is going away. See, I believe churches are not in debt because of money, but they're in the wrong chair. Young people, the hardest thing in your life is to obey. And if you've been disobedient to your parents, you ought to go find them in a minute. You ought to come to this altar and say, hey. Because when I'm, you're not obeying your parents, you're not obeying God. Now with your heads bowed. How many of you are in chair number two? Raise your hand. Can I tell you what that'll do? It'll mess up your marriage. It'll mess up your friendships. It'll mess up your finances. And maybe you're looking for a church home. Let me tell you, I love this church. You got a pastor willing to take some risk and make some changes? If you're looking for a church home in a moment, some are going to come pray. He's going to be standing right here in front of me. If you'd like to, maybe you've been visiting for a while, quit being a full-time visitor and join. You might want to come and say, Pastor, what do we need to do? They're looking for chair number ones. Oh, they're looking for all of them, but they need some number ones. Now, with every head bowed, if you're in chair number two and you want to get back to one, I'm going to help you. Come and get on your face right now at this altar. Right now. Right now. Every one of you that said I'm in chair number two, step out right now. You may be on this stage. You may be running the sound. You may be a D. I don't care. Would you come, young people? If you're in chair number two, would you come and get right here and say, hey, God, I want to give up the hate, the unforgiveness. God, I want to give up the compromise. Hey, God, I don't want to be comfortable anymore. God, I want to know what it is to be uncomfortable. God, I want to obey you. Even when, listen, this altar ought to be flooded. Students, every head bowed, I'm just looking at young people. How many young people say, Brother Ken, I'm in chair number two? Raise your hand. Well, the majority of you then are in chair number one. That means you're going to be reaching more students in your youth ministry. That means you're going to be inviting tonight for your girls' Bible study. You're going to call a couple of your friends and say, Hey, listen, come be with us tonight. Chair number one is active in their faith. They're proactive in their faith. Chair number two, they're just stagnant. The pastor's here. If you're looking for a church home, as we sing together, would you make your way? Come on right now. Let's worship together. Come on.